0: Wow, how inspirational was that, huh? Boy, there's just something about praising the Lord. You know, He's got all the angels in heaven praising Him 24 hours a day. He doesn't need our praise, but we need our praise, don't we? We need to praise Him because it just does something for us. And that name, that name Jesus, is such a powerful name and such a powerful presence in everything that we do. Oh, that we would just fall in love with that name more and more and more every day. How it would change our lives, how it would change our families, how it would change our workplaces, how it would change the world. There's a name, the Bible says that God has made above every name, the name of Jesus. And at that name, one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is glory, or is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, we're going to continue our series today that we started at the beginning of the year, entitled 2012, The End of the World. If you're a guest, and this is the first time you've come during this series today, let me warn you, you have possibly come at the most intense week of this series that is going to be. So kind of put your seatbelt on and get ready to go, and remember that we've covered a lot of ground up to this point. But we're talking about the end of the world because a lot of people are talking about the end of the world. Last night in the uh, Saturday uh, Resync service, uh, Bill Janik, one of the guys who regularly attends there, told me that he saw on the TV that they have a new TV program coming out that's all about how people are getting ready for the end of the world on December 21st, 2012. The whole TV program is about people who really believe this is going to happen and what provisions they're making for the end of the world to really come. Now, we've looked at a lot of things And we looked at all the 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 end-of-the-world doomsday theories that are out there, and we debunked them. But we really need to remember that a lot of people are taking this seriously. And so what we are doing as the church is we are equipping ourselves to speak to them intelligently and from a biblical perspective about how the world really is going to end. Because it really is going to end. But it's not going to end 2012. But we need to be living in preparation for, for when that does happen. The last couple of weeks, we've been specifically drawing our attention to Daniel chapter 9. It's a prophecy in one of the Old Testament books of the Bible that talks about God's plan for the end of the world. Now, what we reminded and we've rediscovered for ourselves is that the real end of the world is uniquely linked to God's relationship with His Old Testament chosen people, Israel, with the Jewish people. And in Daniel, God had sent the angel Gabriel to this prophet Daniel and revealed to him a long-count calendar of events that are going to lead up to the real end of the world. Now, in Daniel chapter 29, it talked about there would be 77s or 490 years in this long-count calendar. Now, we've accounted for 483 of those years, and we began speaking about the last seven years we discovered that god has temporarily put those last seven years into a state of suspended animation in other words there's been a stop in the progress of that calendar that he revealed to daniel and the reason there's a break in it the reason that he has suspended those final seven years until a future date is because of the nation of israel's rejection of jesus as their messiah God now has created a new dispensation of time called the time of the Gentiles. In other words, those who were non Jewish, people like you and me. It is now the time of the Gentiles. It is now our time to spread the gospel throughout the world. But God's not done with Israel. They're still his chosen people. And at some point in time that only God knows. He's going to start that prophetic clock clicking again and finish those final seven years. Now, of those years, Jesus declared in Matthew 24, verse 21 and 22, For then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, Jesus says, no one would survive. When that clock starts ticking again, look out. Unimaginable times and events are going to visit mankind. Jesus said they're going to happen and and they'll be characterized like a woman's labor. In all the modern doomsday books and movies and all that, the world comes to a sudden end. But that's not how it's really going to happen. In fact, the world is going to experience a long, agonizing death. Jesus said it's going to just be like the labor pains of a woman. Who, who Initially, those, those contractions will start, and they're far apart, and they get her attention, know something's going to happen. But as the time of the delivery of the baby comes, those contractions get closer and closer, and they become more intense all the time. That's how it's going to play out in these last seven years. Things are going to happen to get people's attention. But then as we reach the end of those seven years, things are going to happen with great frequency, and with unbelievable intensity. Now, there are three important signs that will signify that this prophetic clock has started ticking again. One is prophesied in Daniel about the ruler who will come. We know him today as Antichrist. The other is God's outpouring of wrath. And this is what we've been focusing on the last couple weeks. The outpouring of God's wrath is revealed in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. John, one of the original twelve disciples, is in exile on the Greek Isle of Patmos. And while he's there, God sends Gabriel, just like he had sent Gabriel to Daniel in the Old Testament times, he sends Gabriel to John and he gives him a revelation of how these final seven years are going to play out that lead up to the end of the world as we know it. It all starts unfolding in Revelation chapter 5. John sees the throne room of God, and he sees God sitting on the throne, and God is holding in his hand, a scroll, and the scroll has writing on both sides, the Bible says, but it's sealed with seven seals, so that no one can read what's in it. Well, John says that he wept because no one was found worthy to open it, but then ultimately Jesus comes forward, and because Jesus died on the cross for sin, he is deemed worthy to open the scroll. So God gives it to him, and he pops the seals one by one. And as he begins to pop those seals, God reveals events that are going to play out in those last seven years. Now, we looked at the seals, and we discovered that as each seal was popped kind of... A new manifestation of God's wrath is revealed. And we see things like war, and we see things like illness, and plagues, and famine, and we see cosmic experiences with, with, with things from the sky hitting the earth, meteors, and asteroids, and things, things like that. Now we see that when that seventh seal is open, what is revealed is so stunning that the Bible says, Heaven goes silent. For about 30 minutes. They are just stunned in the silence. They are speechless. And remember, up to this time, there's a lot of noise and activity going on in heaven. He pops that seventh seal, and the next thing is revealed, and everything gets quiet. Now, what happens is with that opening of the seventh seal, God reveals now seven trumpet Judgments. It says in Revelation 8-2, And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and them were given seven trumpets. We looked at those first four trumpet judgments last time. And it revealed that as God continues to pour out His wrath on the earth, in these trumpet judgments, a third of the earth and the trees burn up and all the green grass a third of the sea turns to blood a third of the creatures living in the sea die a third of the ships on the seas are destroyed a third of the fresh water turns bitter and many people die a third of the sun, moon and the stars are darkened again, get in your image, get in your mind the idea of labor, a woman going through labor things are going to happen much more frequently as we go on and they're going to happen with much more severe intensity Now, we left off with Revelation chapter 8, verse 13. John is looking at all this unfolding, as God is revealing how all this is going to happen. And he says in verse 13, As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels. In other words, he says as unimaginably horrific as life is on earth at this time, look out, because it's only begun. Look out, because you haven't seen anything yet. Now, everything that we've discovered to this point in Scripture all happens within the first three and a half years of those final seven years. Theologians call that the tribulation period. Because as we've discovered, there's going to be a lot of trial and tribulation for those living on the earth at the time. But at the center point, at the three and a half year point, everything goes completely out of control and chaotic. Theologians refer to those final three and a half years as the great tribulation period. That's what this angel is warning about. When the angel says woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Now, he's not being redundant. He's actually declaring a woe for each of the remaining three trumpet blasts that are about to be sounded. During the second three and a half years, God will continue to pour out wrath on the earth on sin. And it'll, again, like the labor pains of a woman, happen with greater frequency and greater intensity constantly. Let's look. The fifth trumpet. Revelation 9.1 The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky onto the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. Again, John sees what he, what he describes as a star, comes and it impacts it, hits the earth with, with such force that it splits the earth open. And smoke begins to pour out from the center of the earth. Scientists theorize that the center of the earth is actually solid, that it's made up of a nickel-iron alloy, and that the center core of that solid core is 9,800 degrees Fahrenheit hot. It's so hot that the earth around it and the minerals around it are all melted into this sea of molten lead and iron and and lava. And so when this thing hits, boom! In a much greater and much more intense characteristic than Mount St. Helens that erupted in Washington State a couple decades ago, and when that happened, it blackened the sky. This thing is going to erupt, and it is going to be devastatingly explosive and it's going to cover the sky and the sun but that's not what the judgment's really about look what happens out of the smoke locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like scorpions of the earth they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree but only those people who did not have the seal of god in their forehead now the earth has had plagues of locusts before that's nothing new But what is the devastation of plagues of locusts? It is that they come and they eat up all the crops. But these locusts are forbidden to do that. And they're also forbidden to inflict anyone who has the seal of God on their forehead. Now, those, I believe, are the tribulation saints that we talked about last time. I don't know what that seal is. If any of you read or watched the movies of the Left Behind series... They made it kind of a cross that only believers could see on each other's forehead. I don't know if it's a cross. I don't know what it is. The Bible doesn't reveal it. But there's something there that will forbid these locusts from impacting those people. Now, I want you to understand, these are not the kind of locusts you've got in your mind right now. (laughs) Look what the Bible says. John says, the locusts look like horses prepared for battle. On their heads they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like that of a woman's hair, their teeth were like a lion's teeth, they had breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. These aren't your plant-eating locusts. Now, there there are several theories of, of what they really are. Some theologians hold that these are some kind of a mutated satanically created locusts that come from the abyss, come straight out of hell to impact man. Others say that John is describing in the first century, and with only knowledge of first century technology, he's describing possibly 21st century technology, and maybe what he's seeing in the sky is modern day helicopters. That would look like a locust, a metal big locust flying around. We don't really know but what we do know is this that they'll had tails and things like scorpions, and in their tails they had the power to torment people for how long? Five months. And look what else it says. They had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek Apollyon. Do you know who they're talking about right there? No he's describing? Know whose name who in Hebrew is Abaddon and whose name in Greek is Apollyon? Lucifer, Satan, the devil. So, so the power behind these mutant locusts or whatever it is that John is seeing is Satan. He is sending them from the abyss, literally from hell. And they are there to do what? They were not given power to kill man, but only to torture man for five long months. And it says, And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Intense agony. Can't even go out of the house and you're looking for these, these, these horrible locusts, scorpion kind of things. And you're having to make sure they don't get into your house and you're having to protect your kids from them. And when they sting, they sting so hard it's like a scorpion stinging you. It's of this particular judgment that Revelation says, During those days men will seek death but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. Now again, labor pains. Now these judgments are coming more frequently, and they are much more intense, and now they're getting individualistic rather than general in nature. The angel, Revelation 9.12 says, The first woe is past. How long? 5 months two other woes are yet to come the sixth angel sounded his trumpet revelation 9:13 and i heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before god it said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet release the four angels who are bound at the great river euphrates And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Six trumpet sounds. God says, let the angels that have been held back for this special purpose, for this day, this month, this hour, let them go. Now, there's a lot of speculation on who these angels are. Some think that they're fallen angels that have been bound and kept in captivity until this time, and now they're loose to wreak their demonic activity among mankind. Some think that they're holy angels that God created just for this purpose. Some people think that these are the angels that God put at the entrance to the Garden of Eden because that's the Euphrates River ran through the Garden of Eden. We don't know who they are. But we know when they come out, terrible things are going to happen. Not like the locusts, but in a different way. It says the number of the mounted troops was 200 million. John says, I heard the number. I I didn't count. I heard that's how many were there. The horses and the riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Again, he's trying to describe what he's seeing. Their breastplates were like we're like we're fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. Now, again, there are those who think that this is another kind of specially created mutant uh, ca- kind of creature that, that is designed to wreak havoc and pour God's wrath out on the planet and on the people on the earth. Others think, again, that John has seen modern technology. And what he's really looking is at tanks. And to a first century person, that would make sense. They'd see a tank. And sometimes those tanks are painted with teeth and stuff on it to scare the enemy. And and as they would shoot their shells and smoke would come out of them, some tanks are are designed to be flamethrowers. Some people say, that's what he's seeing. We don't know. Could be. Would make sense. But the point is, when it was all said and done, these two million Tanks or mutant horses or whatever they are take the lives of one-third of all human beings living on planet Earth. Now remember, under the seal judgments, already one-quarter of the Earth's population has been killed. The earth's population, if it was today, and we're, we're using these figures for today, is 7 million people. Already under the seals, 1.75 billion, rather, 1.75 billion people have already died. Now, a third of those people who survive that, another third die, that would equal another 1.75 billion people. So at this point in this tribulation time, these last seven years, now half of the earth's population is dead. If it were today, from 7 billion to now 3.5 billion people are dead. Now look at the response of those who are remaining. Revelation chapter 9, verse 20 and 21. The rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. In response to all this divine chaos going on around them, the Bible says they don't cry out to God for mercy and forgiveness, but they continue doing exactly what they had done and more of it. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet. Revelation eleven fifteen, And there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding the prophets and your saints and those who reverence your name. And for what? The time has come for what? Destroying the earth. Now things are really going to heat up. goes on to say, then God's temple in heaven was open. And within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder and earthquake, and a great hailstorm. Things are getting more chaotic. Again, now we're in the transition phase of labor. Now things, those contractions are happening rapidly and with great intensity. Things are really spinning out of control. It goes on to say, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. Just like the seventh seal resulted in the opening of seven trumpet judgments, now the seventh trumpet judgment results in the opening of seven bowl judgments. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time. I'm just going to go through these bowl judgments because you're getting the idea, right? You're getting the fact that things are happening quickly and frequently now and with greater intensity and the world is literally coming apart at the seams. First angel went out and poured his bowl, Revelation sixteen two, on the land and ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worship his image. Now it's getting extremely personal. Now this, this bowl of wrath is poured out and people break out in these, these horrible, ugly, painful sores. The second angel pours out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead man. And every living thing in the sea died. Remember, under the trumpet judgments, a third of the seas had turned to blood. Now all of the seas turned to blood, that of like a dead man. And what is the characteristic of a dead man's blood? It stinks. It's decaying. It's rotting. So there is this this enormous, foul smell that permeates the entire earth. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Remember, under the trumpets, a third of the fresh water supply had turned to blood. Now, all of the supply of fresh water turns to blood. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. Now, you talk about solar flares. Now the sun heats up and it's given power. And people just going outside are scorched by it. It said they were seared by the intense heat. And they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues. But they refused to repent and glorify Him. Things are happening rapidly now. It's getting really personal. It's getting really ugly. It's getting really painful. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Look what it says. Men nod their tongues in agony and curse the God of heaven because of their pains and sores, but they refuse to repent of what they had done. The sixth angel pours out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way of the kings from the east. And John says, I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole earth to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Then they will gather the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called what? Armageddon. Remember what he said at the beginning of this? He says, now is the time to judge. Now is the time to reward. And now is the time to destroy the earth. So these forces go out. And they began to gather all the armies of all the countries all over the earth. And they're drawing them all to one place for a horrific battle. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. And out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. Remember, we've already seen a couple very historically devastating earthquakes, and now is the earthquake of all earthquakes. It says the great city, that's Jerusalem, was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. Cities began to just fall like dominoes. Every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones of about a hundred pounds each fell upon men. They cursed God on account of the plague of hail, because the plague was so terrible. During these second three and a half years, God continues to pour out wrath. All the wrath that He has been holding back for thousands of years. His righteous indignation has been ignited. And He is bringing judgment to sin. But as horrific as all of this is, the half has not yet been told. Because also during this second three and a half years, another source of tribulation will become prominent. So not only will mankind be experiencing the outpouring of God's wrath, but they're also going to have to deal with an entirely new, evil, destructive force. He's been alluded to in several verses that we looked at today. And we were first introduced to Him at the beginning of of this entire seven-year tribulation period. It was the very first seal. Very first seal. Where it says, and I saw him open the seal. And out came a white horse with a rider. And the rider had a bow... And the rider was given a crown. And he was bent on conquest. Now remember, I told you I was going to come back to this. This is Antichrist. Look what it says. It says he had a bow in his hand. But notice he has no arrows. Notice it says he was given a crown. He didn't have to go out and make war. He didn't go out to conquer anything. Because he was given authority. He was given a crown to reign with. But mark it down. His true intention was he was bent on conquest. This is who Daniel spoke of in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. And look what it says. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. This charismatic leader is going to come on the scene. And as we can imagine, during those first three and a half years, as all of this, this tribulation begins... The people of the earth are going to be looking for somebody, somebody to lead them through it, somebody to have some kind of an answer, somebody to give some kind of hope. In fact, even in contemporary times in our day, we've been looking for that man. Paul Henry Spake, former General Secretary of NATO, said this, we don't want another committee, we already have enough of them. What we want is a man of such stature that he be capable to gain the allegiance of peace and politics to pull us out of the economic chaos into which we are sinking. Look what he says. Send us this man, and be he God or demon, we will welcome him. This was declared in 1972. And the world has only gotten worse since then. More people hold that sentiment today. Be he God, be he demon, just give us somebody. And can you imagine, with all the horrors that are hitting the earth, how ready they're going to be for somebody. And this somebody will come. But over time, His true nature will be revealed. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.9 says, The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders. Why do the people not cry out to God as the intensity of God's wrath builds and builds and builds? Why do they refuse to repent? because they are so duped, they are so mesmerized, they are so taken in by this charismatic leader who has been given the power to work miracles and wonders and signs. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.4 He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worship, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God an egomaniac like mankind has never met before. And we've met some political egomaniacs, haven't we? But this guy will demand that the entire world not just follow his leadership, but that they worship him as God. It'll all happen in the middle of the seven and a half years. Daniel prophesied that. The first three and a half years are going to be characterized by him coming to power and by him signing treaties and and bringing all the nations of the world together to face all the horror that is befalling the earth. But in the middle of the three and a half years, at the beginning of the great tribulation period, something happens to change his character. Daniel says, in the middle of the sevens, he will put an end to the sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Jesus spoke of this. Jesus warned of this in Matthew chapter 24. Remember, Jesus had said to his disciples, when they said, what is the signs? When's all this going to happen? And Jesus says, well, uh, you'll hear wars and rumors of wars and nations will rise against nations and, and there'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. He's describing that first three and a half years. He says, all of those are the beginning of the labor process. All of those are the beginning of the birth pains. But then Jesus says, but watch for this. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Look what he says now. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing moms. Jesus said this, he says, When you see what was prophesied by Daniel, this abomination of desolation in the Jewish temple, he says, Just start running run to the mountains don't go down and go in your house and get any provisions don't go down and get your coat just start running he says how dreadful it's going to be for pregnant women who aren't going to be able to run fast enough and for nursing moms who have to care about their little infant because when this time starts look out Then we're introduced to his enforcer. Revelation thirteen, eleven. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. What do we know? What happens to turn him from this charismatic leader to this tyrannical dictator? Well, apparently at the three and a half year period of the tribulation period, as all this chaos begins to escalate someone assassinates the world leader. But as Jesus rose from the grave, so will this Antichrist come back to life. But unlike Jesus, and when He came back to life, having been murdered on the cross, Jesus came back with forgiveness and compassion, and the offering of eternal forgiveness, He is going to come back with vengeance. The Bible goes on to say of this false prophet, and he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Why aren't they clamoring to God? Why aren't they screaming for God's mercy? Because so powerful is the delusion that comes from these leaders. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to breathe to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refuse to worship the image to be killed. When he turns, he's going to turn with a vengeance. The false prophet is going to set up images of this leader. And every human being on planet earth will be forced to worship him as God. And if they don't worship Him as God, they will be rounded up and they will be executed. The Bible infers that they will be executed by being beheaded. He will gain control over everyone economically. Revelation 13, 11-15, again, he forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. And that number is what, church? 666. Six, six, six. To enforce that everyone worship this leader, he creates a one-world economic system. And if you are not a participant in this one-world economic system, you can't buy or you can't sell. And remember how short the food supply is. Remember the scarceness of fresh water. Here is a mom and a dad living in these days, and they're trying to ensure that their children survive, that they have something to eat. They're being deceived by all these seemingly miraculous feats of Antichrist and the false prophet, Oh, and they will willingly receive that mark. I remember growing up in church as a, as a young boy, hearing pastors speak on this path, passage, and I, I, I just couldn't understand why anybody would have a mark put on their forehead, or on their hand. Why would they do that? But You know, with today's technology, they can implant a little microchip the size of a grain of rice today, and it will probably grow much smaller over time. And on that little microchip can be, right now, today, all of your banking information, all of your medical information, all security information about you, everything about you, and even able to track you through a little chip. That could very well be the mark of the beast. Daniel 11.36 says, The king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god. That means above every world religion that has ever been established. And will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed, for what has been determined must take place. Why? Because God is finishing the calendar. God is finishing time. God is bringing the world to the end as we know it. And this guy is going to have absolute authority, absolute power to do anything he wants to do to anyone he wants to do it to. So this time, of these unimaginable dire circumstances, that Jesus says in Matthew 24, For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. Jesus said, if those days had not been shortened, no one would survive. Jesus says, so absolute will be this tyrannical dictator's power. So oppressive will his grip be on the people living on planet earth. That if he was allowed to continue, and if circumstances continue with God's wrath keeping, being poured out on mankind alongside with this tyrannical dictator, he said no one would live. Mankind would become extinct on planet earth. Those days had not been cut short. So what happens? How are they cut short? Next week, next week, God brings it all to a sensational climax. The world is getting all spun up about the end of the world. and Artists, cinematographers, authors are going to play up on it because it's a lot of money in their pocket. Now we know biblically it's not going to happen in 2012. But we don't know that 2012 isn't the beginning of this. We better be ready. Better be ready. Let's bow our heads. Listen very closely to me. What has been revealed is not some kind of sensational story devised by some man living in the first century. This isn't a Nostradamus thing. This isn't a Mayan calendar thing. This is the divine revelation of the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God of the universe. And mark it down. What he says is going to happen is going to happen. And if we're living, when that clock starts ticking again, God help us. Are you ready? Are you ready to face that? Are you ready to face the end of your world if your world ends before that clock starts ticking again? Next week we're going to talk about are you ready for the end? And we're going to tell you how to be ready for the end. But I don't want to close this service without giving you and revealing the most important act of preparation that there is, and that is trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. God designed all this. It's going to happen. But God doesn't intend any human being to experience it. That's why He sent Jesus into our world. That's why Jesus died on the cross so that he could provide forgiveness for our sins and he could provide a positive promise for eternal existence but don't make the mistake of thinking that you can win that forgiveness by being a good person, you can't the Bible says in Romans 3.23 all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God every one of us have offended God and the first time we offended him disqualified us from the perfection that is called heaven Bible says in Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death because of who we are we've earned eternal death but it goes on to say but the gift uh, let me let me say that again the gift of God is the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord God offers every man every woman a gift of eternal life a gift of eternal forgiveness and it only comes through what Jesus has already done on the cross. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've never transferred your confidence off of yourself and your own goodness as a human being and recognized and openly confessed before God that you aren't good enough for His kingdom, and instead reach out to Jesus Christ and ask Him to be your personal Savior, to pay for your sin debt with His sacrifice, then you aren't ready to face the last times, the end of the world whenever it comes. But you can do that right now. And God may be reaching out to you and drawing you to do it right now, right where you're sitting. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The Bible says in John 1 12, yet to as many as received him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. The book of Romans chapter 10 says, If you'll confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Would you do that right now just pray, God, I confess to you, yes, I'm a sinner. And God, I want this gift of forgiveness from you. And I get it now. That's what Jesus is all about. Jesus is that gift. Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And Jesus wants to give me eternal life. He wants to adopt me into your family. And so Jesus, as best as I understand what this pastor has said today, today I believe on your name as my Savior. Today I believe on the name of Jesus Christ for eternal life. Now God, because He's loving, made it that simple. The Bible declares to anyone who does that, in 1 John 5, 13, These things I write to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Father, horrible days are coming. But God, You have given us the survival manual. You have given us everything we need to know to be ready for those times. And more importantly, the times beyond those times. God, I pray that we might return next week with open hearts and open minds. And Lord, with excitement to hear the good news that is the end of this story. I pray for those who trusted Christ today, God, that you will minister with them right now. That you have changed them forever. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Thank you for your revealed word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.